Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Thank you guys for inviting me here this morning. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, Brother Wynn and I did kind of hit it off pretty good. Uh, we got a lot in common. I, I don't fish as much as he does, <laughs> but I'll forgive him for that. He does go deer hunting. That's a good deal. You know, I've this time of the year, we probably heard this verse over and over again. And but it's so important that we find peace in our lives in this world. And and the peace that I'm going to talk about today has nothing to do with the peace of this world. Because it's not what we have. My key passage is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. I don't know about y'all, but we all stand to, to read the Word of God. I appreciate that. If you can, if you can't, well, I understand that also. For unto us a child is born, and to a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come approaching your throne this morning, Lord, we just celebrated your birth in the last few weeks, and Lord, we're so awesomely amazed at the plan that you have made for our salvation. And Lord, we come to you now seeking your peace, your your comfort in a time of this world that it just seems like it's falling to pieces all around us. But you are God, and we are not. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm not. My choices are not always right. Lord, I thank you so much for being able to be here this morning to speak your word. Bless it as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, Isaiah wrote those words down to a country that was broken in pieces. Half of it had already gone into bondage or was going. And there just didn't look to be any peace whatsoever. You know, everything we see and and think peace is, it's not a, a, a loss or an absence of trials in your life, okay? We think, and, and I remember a preacher one time telling uh, in a sermon that once you become a Christian, everything is going to be perfect and fine. You're never going to have any problems anymore. I said, well, that's great. I, I want that. But that's not the truth of it, is it? That's not 
what the way it works. In the Old Testament prophecy, the Messiah is called the Prince of Peace. And, and Jesus' disciples, just as us, lived in a world filled with war, with slavery, with poverty, uncertainty on every side. It was all around him. And Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Uh, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. John 14, 27. You know, when we start looking at God's Word, and we see this, we really do have a, a, a problem with understanding the peace that He gives. Until you begin to understand, there is nothing like it. There is nothing like You know, he, he also told them he was going to die. You know, he just told them, you're going to have peace. I'm going to die. And, and they were going to experience tribulation, rejection, and death. You know, it hardly seems like a recipe for tranquility, does it? Not nearly like it is sitting on that front porch watching the sun come up and watching how amazingly God paints everything one more time. So Christ's words didn't make any sense to them at that time. Sounds like our Sunday school lesson, didn't it? When, when he told Peter, cast off out into the deep, throw out your net. Oh Lord, I've done it all night and didn't catch a thing. But because you said so, Lord, I'll do that. You know, it didn't make any sense. And when he did it, he filled the boat to fl- overflowing. Be a fact, a couple of them. Why are people's hearts filled with fear and turmoil? How can we have peace when, when crime and rebellion and dishonesty and greed are all around us? Anybody watch the news ever? Even listen to it. Or just read the headlines. That would be enough to sicken you. Well, Marty, what's the point? What kind of peace can transcend the chaos and difficulty of this life? To understand genuine peace, we must realize it originates with and in Jesus Christ. He secured our peace through His substitutionary death on that cross. And before we can have the peace of Christ, we must have the peace of Christ within us. We must first believe. And Jesus' purpose in coming to earth was to achieve reconciliation. Not with the world, but between you and me and God. To reconcile us with God. We are born separated from God. We are in a sinful mankind, and we're paying our sin debt in full. No, we're not. Jesus paid it. If you believe that Jesus paid your sin debt, you can. Are you are saved? 
And through His death on the cross, that's how we're saved. That's how we become reconciled with God. Then we can have a peace that the world doesn't understand. Jesus' purpose in coming to the earth was to do this. Now, when we trust Him as our personal Savior, we have everlasting peace with God. Young people, I know it's, it's hard because when I was a young person, I was told that once you become a Christian, you're not going to have any problems. Don't believe that lie. There's going to be trials. There are going to be tribulations. Look at Job. A righteous man before God, and yet he had months of trials, lost everything. And then he had three wonderful friends come and convict him of everything. That never happened here, right? No, we are reconciled with him, and our rebellious battle is over. We've confessed our sins, we ask for forgiveness. And stop sitting on having our own way. We stopped insisting on having our own way. Because isn't that just out and out rebellion to God? Instead of enemies, we're now His children. And does that mean we no longer have troubles and trials in this life? Not on your life. Not on your life. He is the source of our daily peace. We have to seek Him daily to find that peace. We gain it through our relationship with Him. How do you have a relationship with someone? You visit with them, don't you? You listen to their words. You communicate. Folks, when we stop communicating with God, guess where we're going to be? It's a relationship. It's not a religion. It's not knowing about. It's but a loving, kind relationship between man and God. Once we've been reconciled with God through Christ Jesus, we can have His promised peace. That promised peace that takes away the worries of this world. Kathy and I, a long time ago, I want you to know, and I'll give my testimony right here, I had COVID. I poo-pooed COVID. We had church every Sunday regardless of COVID. We kept meeting And finally I got it, and it almost killed me. They were flying me from Delhi to Columbus, Mississippi, the only bed they could find for me. My lungs were full of fluid, full of the pneumonia. O2 level was 39. Legally dead. Not supposed to be making rational decisions. Well, they put me in the little cocoon and put me in the helicopter and said, as soon as we're airborne, we have to intubate you. And I said, no, you don't. I'm not being intubated. But you have to. We don't have enough oxygen to get you to Columbus without it. I said, 
I'm not being intubated. And the guy in the ambulance was still standing there, and he said, I can get y'all, I can get you there in about the same time as they can, because they've got to go to Jackson, get fuel, air, and all this, and then fly back. He said, I can drive you there. That man sat in the back of that ambulance. Yes, by the way, I got out of the helicopter back in the ambulance. And, and he prayed for me. He didn't know I was a pastor. He didn't know who I was. But he prayed for me all the way, four hours. The only time he stopped was to stop and get diesel for the ambulance. And then he got back in and started praying again. I don't remember getting to, to, to Columbus, Mississippi. I don't remember getting upstairs in this little cubicle with a glass wall. And a nurse on the other side looked at me and said, You need to relax. And I went, Relax. I can't hardly breathe. <laughs> and she did it again. And I said, How in the world can I relax? How can I find peace <laughs> in this situation? And a song come to my mind. Jesus. Jesus. There's something about that name. I fell asleep within five minutes. Humming that song in my head. And I woke up the next morning and I was singing the blood of Jesus. In my head. My O2 level had gone to 60. And I was out of the hospital in one week. Not because of what the doctors did, not because of what I did, but what God did, what Christ did, what His name means. There is power, there is peace in the name of Jesus. And when we get lost and we get tired of the trials, we need to call on His name to find that power. Whenever we face any kind of trial, two scriptural truths can guard our hearts our minds. First, we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. And second, the Lord has established His throne in heavens and His sovereign rules over all. Psalms 103:19. Once we truly believe these verses, they'll have become a reality in our life. When trouble comes, and it will, instead of asking, where is God, or why God, we say, Lord Jesus, I need you, friend. I need you, brother. You see, because when we accept Christ, we're adopted into the family. He's ruling over the situation, and He's promised to use it to achieve His good purpose. So, boy, it sure don't feel good. I'm sure Job didn't think it felt good with his skin peeling off and him scraping it with pottery shards. It could not have felt good, and it'd be hard to find the purpose, and it was for him. The Christ indwelling presence will comfort, encourage, and assure as He takes us through every trial. Every trial. Not just the little ones, the little temptations we face as young people, but the bigger ones that we face as adults. Genuine peace is the result of an intimate relationship with Jesus. 
He is the person that you can call on every time. And He's not going to sit there and convict you of your sins because that's already over and done with if you're calling on Jesus. But it's not just head knowledge, okay? There's a whole lot of difference in knowing about Jesus than knowing Jesus. We know about those people in Washington, D.C., but we don't know them. We, we know Christ as our Lord and Savior because we have a relationship with Him. He listens to our prayers. He speaks to our hearts. He calms our fears and gives us direction and help in every situation. That's why there's no reason to be anxious for tomorrow. When? (laughs) There's no reason. Or about the church or who's going to be your next pastor. Our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and how we need to be about getting it. (laughs) You know, there's no reason. Our Heavenly Father knows in Matthew 6, 25 and 32. Our problem is that He's unable to give us peace. Why? Because most likely we're not willing to trust his words. Had Peter not cast out that boat that day into the deep, had he not thrown out his nets, he would have never caught anything. He had to be doing. You see, sometimes we're hearers of the word, we hear a lot of it, but we're not very good at doers. And, and I'm speaking to myself, too, because we had to come to Jesus' meeting this morning when we got to talking about witnessing to other people. We're afraid. We, as pastors, we don't like speaking to everybody and, 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 and about their sins, about their lostness. But you know what? If God tells you to do it, He's going to see you a way through it. His peace is not like the world's. What the world calls peace is freedom from disturbance or absence of war. It's really kind of just a shallow make-believe and an unsatisfactory substitute for the true peace that God offers. Uh, It's like money or status or a relationship uh, or possessions. They're just a shadow of what we can have if we have the peace of the Lord. However, you know, our early, our easily, our peace is easily lost. And, and all those things, the money, the possessions, they're easily lost. There's no peace in them. They're not truly satisfying. Because if it is, we'll just go buy another bigger boat or a bigger truck or, you know, whatever it takes or we feel needs to satisfy us. But without Christ's peace, there will always be dissatisfaction and conflict within us. 
when you think about that. He gives us a sense of acceptance into his family and purpose and direction. We all need purpose and direction. I worked so many years to get to a point where I was doing really well financially. And I had a back surgery that went bad. And I could stand up or lay down, but sitting was just about out of the question. And this went on for two years, and then I had another surgery, and it fixed it. But during that two years, I want you to know there wasn't a lot of peace in my life. I've been used to working. I've been used to having a position. I've been used to what the world had to offer. And it wasn't what God had planned for my life. But he used those two surgeries. (laughs) My wife still thinks I had two heads on that day when I said, Have you thought of me about a church back at home where I said, I would never ever go. But I've never had so much peace as I have since I got back to that little gravel road and a little small church. Hard to do? Absolutely. I promised myself I was never going back there. And I'm sure that God chuckles every time He says, Yeah, Marty, how's that gravel road? It's still dusty. And the corn's still there, and the beans are still there, and I still have hay fever. But he's the sustainer of our peace through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Christ's peace is a constant, and it doesn't depend on our circumstances. The world can be falling apart. Our world can be falling apart, but somehow we can find, and we do find, peace in the middle of the storms. That's because it comes from the one who dwells in us, rather than our environment. It doesn't depend on our circumstances. That's because God is with us The Holy Spirit is with us. And in me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulations. But take courage, I've overcome the world. John 16, 33. This is our victory in troubling times. This is our victory in Jesus. And we sing about, look, that song gives me goosebumps every time I sing it. Right up the back. The Spirit says, that's it. That's what we have. That's our victory in troubling times, knowing that it's sure because He leads through every situation. There's no limit to Christ's peace, but we have to seek it. We have to seek Him. In all practical terms, this means our love for the Lord is demonstrated by our willingness to read and obey His Word. Whenever we face challenge, our first response should be to seek His thoughts, His desires, and His purpose, and follow His instructions. 
and trust his promises. As we respond to faith in God's word, his peace enters our hearts and replaces our anxiety. You know, in in a verse we were reading this week, he said, and a spirit of fear. And, And it had a small s when you're reading it. A spirit of fear entered him. Folks, be careful. We don't need a spirit of fear. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity. Well, how can we lose our peace with Jesus Christ? Number one way, sin. Sin is rebellion and it creates strife and and builds distance between us and our Heavenly Father. And as a result, we feel the loss of that closeness and we begin to feel the conviction of our sin and our peace evaporates. Sin, just a little small three-letter word, but it is so destructive. Number two, unbelief. When we doubt God's promises as Sariah did, it causes uncertainty, it causes fear to replace our confidence that He will supply all our needs. Unbelief. Number three, worry. Projecting tomorrow's cares upon today results in worry and anxiety. But Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough what? (laughs) For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You do not need to worry over things in which you have control. And when you evaluate what control we do have, you will find it is very little At all. Sure, we might decide what clothes to put on, what food we're going to eat, but it's God decides whether you have it or not. God provides. You see, we don't really have a lot of control over any of the things we do worry about. And the last point is mistreatment. How does mistreatment take your peace? Although criticism from others may threaten our peace, no one can take your peace unless you allow them to. You know, that's one of those little psychological terms I I learned when I was doing my counseling degree. No one makes you angry. No one makes you feel angry, but you choose to be angry. You see... We can choose to continue in peace. Instead of believing people's unkind or false accusations or words, we can choose to hold on to God's peace. Just read the book of Job and you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. They have 36 chapters of belittling Job, trying to get him to confess his sins. 
when God said right up front, Job was righteous in God's eyes. How should we respond to today's sermon? If you have a personal relationship with Christ, He is your peace and nothing or no one can steal it from us. And He's promised never to leave nor forsake us. That's an awesome promise. If you bring everything to Him in prayer and thanksgiving, His peace will surround and protect you through every situation. You'll find that in Philippians 4. All other sources will fail. The friends, government, money, they're all going to let you down. But Jesus dwells in you forever. Now, you can put distance between you and Him. But if you'll look to Him, if you'll seek Him and read His Word and watch Him work in your life, your hearts will be calm in every circumstance. Now, if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, folks, you cannot have this peace. You, you may be terrified by what you see in the news and media. And you may be seeking the peace that He's promised and don't know how to get it. Well, I can tell you, humble yourself before the Lord and repent of your sins. And you can be saved into the family of God and have all the peace of eternal Life. You see, we get to thinking that this life is all there is. We're never going to die. This life ain't going to end for us. But guess what? We know better. It's about 100%, isn't it? About 100%. We're all going to go that way. And right now, we have the ability to decide, am I going to spend it with God and our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, or am I going to spend it in the total absence of God, in total darkness and torment? That's, you have that option up till you close your eyes for the last time and take that last breath. But after that, there is no more choices. You say, well, I'm going to go party down there with my friends. It's not going to be a party, folks. You need to read the Word of God. It's not going to be a party. We need to repent, accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and accept His grace and mercy. And we've done a study on those two words. What's mercy? It's not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. Folks, if you're born into this world, you are living in a sinful flesh, and it deserves death. But grace is getting what you don't deserve, which is life eternal with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's grace. That's grace in the times of the storms when he says, peace be still, and you feel it come all over you, and your heart says, okay, I'm focused. The hardest part for us today is becoming humble enough. Did you know that sin is the number one pride that keeps you from coming to Christ? Pride. You say, well, how, how can that be? Well, I can tell you how it can be. 
I ain't that bad. I didn't sin that bad, have I? I'm a good person. I give to the poor. I, I, I do all those good things. I go help clean up yards and do all this stuff. A lot of good people aren't going to go to heaven. You say, but that, that, that's, that's not fair. Life ain't fair, folks. It's not fair because if it was fair, we would get death. That would be God's fair. But instead, we get grace. We have an opportunity to come today, right now. If you all stand, we'll have a hymn of invitation. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to the close of the service, fathers, if there's one here that doesn't have peace in their life, maybe they've separated themselves by some sin, Lord, that they just humble themselves before you and ask for forgiveness, you'll restore that peace. And Lord, if they don't know you as Lord and Savior, that they humble their hearts before you this morning. As they said in Sunday school this morning, we may not have a tomorrow. We may not have the next few minutes. But Lord, we trust that if we come seeking you and repenting of our sins, we can be and will be saved. That you're not rejecting anyone. She said, all that call upon my name will be saved. Lord, just we pray your blessings upon this service today in Jesus' name. Um, before I sing, I, I feel led to give some of my testimony. I don't know why. I don't know who needs to hear it, but I want to obey God, so I'm going to do it. Um, so about this time of year, 2004, I had just turned 23. I had started my second semester of law school, and I got a call that my mama had been put in the hospital. My mama um, had been healthy pretty much all of my life. I was spoiled. I was the baby. She was 38 when she had me. And when I tell you, I was like a grandbaby, but that they got to raise. And, and I was, and I talked to my mama every day. She was my best friend. And um, so it was weird. Michael and I were engaged. I, I came home. He took me over to the hospital, and we came in, and the doctor called me out of the room and basically said, if you want her to be at your wedding, you need to get married quick. And I was devastated to the point my sister thought that, um, they were going to have to give me a, a, a sedative, a tranquilizer. And I, let me preface all this to add. I was saved at eight years old through this church, going to church camp. I still remember that day, too. But anyway, this had happened. You know, you go through adolescence. You go through all the teenage hormones and the crazy stuff. And then here I was, and I felt like my rock. I was just being told my rock was leaving. And um, I was devastated. And I remember, you know, my first thought and my selfishness was, why my mama? Why my mama? And God bless Michael and my daddy who were like, baby, it, it just happens. You can't get upset with God. It just That's just what happens. And so I was like, well, I've, I've got to go pray. And I went down to the chapel in the hospital, and I laid on my face. And I said, Jesus, I can't. That's all I said. That's all I could get out. And when I tell you immediately, I was at peace. I still can feel it to this day, which is why in that song I, I I told you that 
I mean, I, I had been his child, but I had not clung to that. I had not gotten to that point. And so even though that was a hard thing, it was one of the most beautiful gifts he has ever given me because I can still feel it. I know everybody here has been through things. We all have different things in our lives. Right now in my life, we are at a place where finances are hard. I have two part-time jobs. I felt called to homeschool my kids. And sometimes I look at God and I'm like, you called me to this, but it's hard. It's hard to do this because I want to be able to afford to do these things for my kids, and I can't. And Michael works himself to death, and we just feel stressed and pulled. But when I tell you that God is so faithful to us that every time I have prayed, we have been able to do things. I was able to take my kids to practice last week when I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to. I've been able to, to do things for them that I wasn't sure because he is good, not because I am. I'm not worth any of it, but he is so good to me. And I know out there, whoever's watching this that needs to hear it, he will be that good to you. It may not come like what you think it needs to look like, but I promise you it's so good and even better than anything you could imagine. So please just, he's real and he loves you and he wants you to know him. And all you have to do is just humble yourself a little bit and say, please, please come be with me. And he'll he'll do the rest. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have stuff figured out because I promise you, I'm 43. I've been his since I was eight and I still don't have it perfect. But he still loves me and he's still good to me and he will be to you too. So I felt called to say that. Don't know why. But anyway, hopefully it was for somebody and you needed to hear it and just, just trust him today. So we're going to sing just as I am. Sorry, Pastor. Thank you.